This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with a hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to our show. How are you doing tonight, Tony? I guess I'm doing fine. Uh, you can tell the audience we're having technical difficulties, so I'm still hearing weird things in the background. Yeah, the ball bearings are not great. Uh, Tony decided to fall down a well, and we're trying to get a, a, a CB radio to him, so hopefully we can get something in tonight to uh, accommodate that. Um, I, I was going to start with a couple different things, but I'll give you the choice, Tony. Do we want to start with uh, King Andrew of New York, or do you want to start with uh, Slow Joe and not remembering literally anything that happened prior to his existence on January 20th? Um, how about we start with Andrew? He, he, you know, he's, he's always entertaining. <laughs> okay. So we were, we were told that Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, was the, the role model for how to deal with COVID in the United States, the, the epitome of how things should be done because he knew everything. He did it all right. He communicated effectively. Uh, we talked about it briefly last week. Maybe he communicated less than he should have. Uh, I've heard people say transparency, but when they say transparency, I think they really mean, I'll tell you what I think you need to know. And that's me being transparent and the things you don't need to know, I won't tell you. Um, came out this week that he is he and his administration are under investigation by the FBI because they kind of obstructed um, justice. So do we think that King Andrew's going to find himself in hot water or is he going to skate on, on uh, killing grandma? Do you think? Is that a rhetorical question? Because if you think, if you think that, listen, the FBI under Trump, including the existing special prosecutor, Mr. Durham. What did they manage to uh, accomplish? And now you're going to have Biden's DOJ in charge. Andrew Cuomo will be, uh, it will be a harsh sentence if his luxury box at Yankee Stadium gets revoked until April. Now, he should be, by the standards under which we have been operating, he should be behind bars. He should be on trial criminally. Um, I mean, let's just—I mean, let's lay this out in terms of how this unfolded. First of all, as you alluded to, it was absurd from the outset. He was being lauded as this incredibly responsible, effective leader, even before the skipping stuff came forward, because New York has had among the worst COVID. Not just in this country, but literally comparing New York to any other country. New York and New Jersey, I think, are one and two or one and three in the world for COVID fatalities. Now, you can say these are urban hubs, international cities, but here's the thing those aren't the rules that have been established, right? Donald Trump was accused of killing 400,000 people because he made intemperate comments and did things that were not appropriate according to the experts. So there's no excuse making. This is, he's the governor of a state and their COVID fatality rate has been awful from the beginning. Now, 
You then add in the fact that he ordered people sick with COVID into skilled nursing facilities, forced them to take them. The most vulnerable people, management of those facilities was begging the government, don't do this. People are going to die. They didn't care. People died. Thousands of people died. We still didn't hear that. That received his Emmy. We still didn't hear anything from the media about chances, unfortunately. So we're going to investigate that decision. And now what's come out is, number one, they completely undersold the death count by around 50%. Well, no, exactly. So more than twice as many people likely died, died from that policy. And then they hid the numbers. And the best part of it was, according to his minion, a very good reason for hiding the numbers, which was, well, if we told people the truth about the numbers, that evil Donald Trump would use that for politics. Oh, well, that makes it okay then. We understand. Just you can lie to the regulators because your political opponents might use that against you. I mean, that's understandable, right? Yeah, I think if he was anybody else, I could see that scenario playing out. He's made his own enemies, even in the Democratic Party. So while the mainstream media might have been praising him, I don't know that his detractors in New York or other places in the country are going to be as willing to let it slide, you know, especially when he went on TV with his brother night after night talking about how wonderful he was and how wonderful they did the job they were doing. It took, it's almost as though he threw it in your face. I'm, I know you don't know what's going on and I'm going to act like everything's awesome. But for months I'm in front of you telling you how wonderful I am. And now I'm not. And I think, what happened this week with Ted Cruz is the mainstream media's attempt to try to distract us from New York by going after Ted. And we'll talk about Ted in a second. I, I, I agree with you. He should be prosecuted. His administration should be prosecuted. It's not just him. Other people were involved in this, but this is not, this is not the feel good story that it, it was meant to be. And we never believed that it was, but we were led to believe that it was. And I guess I, I reached to the president who says we're about unity, we're about zero tolerance, we're about making sure everything's done correctly, but you're not. You know, obviously, if you have a D next to your name, we'll kind of let things go. We don't really push you hard. And I think he's going to try to find a way, if he can, to sweep this Department of Justice investigation under the rug, if at all possible. And I don't know if it's possible. It's, is there enough out there now that people go, wait a minute, mom and dad died in a nursing home because of his policies. I can't just let that go, even though I might have voted for him. Well, he is, I mean, he is, he is a, he's a very nasty piece of work. He is, he has made a lot of enemies because of his autocratic bullying style. One of the things that came out this week is that he apparently, I mean, this is how brazen this guy is. He apparently, I can't remember whether it was an actual live phone call or a message, it was a telephone one of the Democratic legislators in New York called him up and threatened him, said, I will destroy you if you do not get on board with the narrative. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that thinks he is completely insulated from any consequences. And you know what, Chad? Probably correct. That's the reason people act this way. Well, that's, that's a sad thing. So to, to piggyback there on Ted Cruz. So Ted Cruz took a vacation with his family to Cancun and he was seen at the seen at the airline getting on the plane in his what what the papers say 
the in his dad's sneakers, wh- whatever that means. Uh, but there was this huge outcry because Texas got a cold spell. Now, people have died. People have suffered because of cold. They're angry at Ted Cruz for taking a vacation, but I'm not sure what they thought Ted Cruz was going to do. Congress is in recess. He's a federal senator. He's not a state senator. He doesn't have a district where he's supposed to be out working the hands. What exactly was Ted supposed to do? And I, I really think this is a bigger deal because the mainstream media really wants to distract from uh, Cuomo and, and Biden. They, they're looking for anything to distract you from what's actually going on. You know, the, the Wizard of Oz, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. I really think this is a, a blatant attempt to, hey, we hate Ted Cruz anyway. The Lincoln Project was going to go after Ted Cruz, although the Lincoln Project is obviously in, in trouble of their own. Uh, wh- why are we? Why are they attacking Ted Cruz for anything normal? Because because they're complete, they're completely shameless hacks. I mean, it, yes, I think somebody said I, I read somewhere uh, that what Ted Cruz should have done. And of course, they're being sarcastic. Is well, he should have been out with the transmission pipelines with a giant hair dryer, uh, melting all of that ice. I mean, it's, it's completely nothing for her. It's a non-story. Uh, if he can't be in contact. Of the relevant people, all he's he can do. And again, this comes on the heel of literally almost every Democratic governor, the you know, the care in the world to have picked after picked to their vassals, telling them, You must not have Thanksgiving dinner, you must not plant seeds in your garden, you must not eat outside, you must live in a bio bubble. And meanwhile, every story where they're flying here and hither and yon for Thanksgiving, and they're eating with the French laundry, and they're doing all of this, and somehow, because the cold snap, people are out of power, goes to Cancun with it as a problem. He, I, I guess, look, politics is about optics. Okay, so I think not for any substantive reason, it's probably not a smart thing to do, only because you know what the media is going to do with their optics. But does anyone actually think, does anyone really believe there's something wrong with what Ted Cruz did? No, here's the distinction, Chad. The people that were violating all the COVID protocols, there was something wrong because they issued rules for everyone else and then broke them. Ted Cruz didn't issue an edict that said, hey, by the way, um, given that Texas is going through this unprecedented cold spell and people are out of power, no one can really go on vacation, right? That would be the equivalent scenario. Who cares if went on vacation? It, to me, it, it, it's a nothing burger because there's nothing. He planned a vacation. He didn't know there was going to be an unprecedented cold spell in Texas when he planned the vacation, unless he planned it the day before, which seems unlikely. So, well, even if he did, Chad, even if he did, again, other than the fact that he should be a savvy enough operator by now to know this is how the media is going to try to spin this. In fact, our friend, you know, he he posted something about this. But here's the, the interesting thing: is it's all supposed to be assumed, like. It's a recitation of what Ted Cruz did in this tone of indignation. No one ever actually spells out why exactly was that something he shouldn't have done. It was assumed, oh, this is terrible. I mean, again, I'm open to an explanation for what Ted Cruz should have been doing. Again, because he they you know he was in constant communication with any relevant individual with updates of what's going on in Texas. So 
Someone explain to me the particular of the indictment. Let me know exactly what the problem is other than this is just a politically useful uh, opportunity to deflect from Andrew and from Joe Biden's ongoing absurdities. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. So this is what this is what the media does. So it, it, I don't know if, if I was Ted Cruz, I'd have just gone on my vacation because there's nothing I would have done. Beto O'Rourke was tweeting that he had helped people by sending out cars to help people to take them food and supplies. Okay. That's a Beto O'Rourke thing. Beto O'Rourke wasn't. Well, Ted Cruz was supposed to be, he was supposed to be driving around delivering food. Okay. I mean, I guess that would have been. Yeah, whatever. I, it, I, I, I saw a cartoon this weekend. It said um, what the media thought Ted Cruz should be doing, which is working up on the power lines, getting electricity back to stranded houses and getting water. Right. Really? That's what you want Ted Cruz doing? Because I don't know that he's an electrician. Yeah, I mean, he could look, he could have rented, I mean, let's, he could have rented a flatbed trailer, put 50 burn barrels on there, and then just hold them around to people's driveways. I mean, there's a lot of things he could have been doing. He could have maybe called up, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter and said, hey, let's start, let's start making some habitats, right? I've got a, I've got a nail gun. I've got a nail gun. You got a compressor. Let's head out. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong about that. So let's go, let's move on to, um, uh, slow Joe. Uh, it, 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 he keeps saying, and I, I put this in the rundown, but he promised that on January 20th, when he took office in his first hundred days, he would get a hundred million vaccinations out. Okay. That was supposedly a better plan than what Trump was doing, which he was only going to get a million a day. Well, wait, but wait, Biden has now said Biden has now said that there was no vaccines. He's literally said this is this is after himself having received the vaccination, saying there were there were no vaccines available. And the media, of course, running it. And if you go back, I was reading an article chronologically by I forget exactly what the date was. I think it was late December. Uh, the Trump administration had purchased. 400 million doses. Now, Chad, I'm not really good at theoretical math, but I think there's around 330 or so million people in America. So there was more doses purchased and ready to go than people live in this country. Obviously, you are two shots, so you're going to need more. But Joe Biden is out there peddling the narrative that they had to start from scratch and there were no vaccines. And in fact, I think the numbers are that since Trump left office, the Biden administration has purchased 200 million more doses. So up to 600 million as between Pfizer and Moderna. And of that, I think, and don't quote me on this because I'm literally have nothing in front of me, but it's some ridiculously small percentage. I think it's around 18% of the original 400 million have been administered, or maybe it's 20, I don't know, but let's put it this way. They haven't even used 50% of the first 400 million that Trump and his administration had ready to go. And Biden is out there saying, I mixed it up with my engineer. I mean, it's incredible. Well, it's incredible. So your first point there, 400 million doses, 
and it takes two shots. So it's 200 million people. So the other 200 million that have been purchased since then get you another 100 million people. So you're about a 30 million people short. Again, it's there's no indication it should be used for children because there's no data that says it's useful in children. So you're probably okay with 300 million doses uh, across the United States. That's one thing. Second thing is you point out, yes, Joe Biden got two shots of the Pfizer vaccine prior to taking office. So to say there was no vaccine available is a lie, obviously. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easily, you can say it was a gaffe. Uh, if anybody else be, might be a gaffe, I think he's lying. I think his whole staff is lying because that's what they keep saying. Well, here's, here's the two options. Here's the two options. He's either lying or again, he's advancing dementia has prevented his, he now has short-term memory loss such that he cannot even remember taking two different vaccines or two different shots within a month of taking office. I'm not sure which of those is worse. I actually think he preferred that he was lying. Yeah, well, he was. So I want to take us back in the way, way, way back machine to about a year ago, uh, March-ish. COVID was starting to ramp up. Trump said we're gonna op- we're gonna open up this program called Operation Warp Speed, which is gonna develop a vaccine before the end of the year. Okay, that's what he said in March. Oh, and what was the reaction to that, Chad? What was the media reaction to that? It's another lie. It's completely absurd. He's insane. So, and what happened? So by the end of the by December 11th, there was a vaccine. Okay, and. Joe Biden got that vaccine on, I think it was the 20th, the guy's first shot, December 20th. What I'm telling people is we're told it can't ever happen. It can't ever happen. Oops, it happened. Now we've got to come up with another narrative, which sounds like we are doing something special and Donald Trump and his administration were clueless. First, we were told there was no vaccine. Then, well, maybe there were 50 million doses, but that wasn't enough. Uh, you, you got to think back to this. When, when this was purchased, when these... 100 million, do- 100 million doses originally were purchased with Pfizer and 100 million with Moderna. There were multiple companies trying to come up with a vaccine. So as a country, we were hedging our bets. We don't know if one of these or any of these are going to work. We prepaid for 100 million doses on a drug we didn't know would be effective at all. Nobody knew. So to say there was no plan is farcical to me because what you're trying to say is nobody thought ahead except us, except we're from behind and we're looking back saying you didn't think ahead. Well, you didn't purchase 600 million doses in March of 2020 when nobody had anything. You you only purchased them later. Well, and if you remember, if you remember, then even, of course, the, the pharmaceutical companies try to get it on the lie because I think it was Pfizer that then tried to deny we were never part of Operation Warp Speed. And then someone inconveniently pointed out, well, but actually you have a several billion dollar contract with the government to produce these vaccines. Well, okay. Well, we never officially called that Operation Warp Speed. And another point I want to make, so we hear all the time from people, including from our friend, uh, Trump is the most unconscionable, unimaginable liar who has ever occupied the Oval Office. You know, he's he's an outlier. It's it's just you can't compare him to anybody else. But here's the interesting thing: I still hear repeated, and the reason I thought of this, I actually listened to a podcast the other day uh, with Andrew Sullivan. I don't know if you know who Andrew Sullivan is. He's a uh, He's a very gifted writer. He was, uh, he's, well, 
he was a conservative. He still says he's a conservative, but he's not. And he's a he's a Trump. He hates Trump. He's a very smart guy. He's a gifted writer. And he was interviewing Michael Anton. Um, and I don't know if you know who Michael Anton is. He wrote the article the Flight 93 election. He um, he teaches at Hillsdale College. He's a very brilliant guy. One of the things that, that Sullivan was banging Anton on was this idea that Trump was this incredible, unprecedented liar and that we just can't have this. And one of the examples he kept using, well, really two of them was this the whole thing about what do we make of a guy who who lies even about you know, the size of his inaugural crowd. They're still going back to that. Right? I have the biggest crowd. And then, of course, the lie about the election, saying how, how somebody undermines democracy that you want an election in the My question for you, Chad, is how far are we in? One month into the Biden administration? Is there, do you think that it's a fairly significant lie to tell the American people that there were no vaccines available when I took office? I mean, in other words, and have we heard a, have we heard a from our friends? Mr. Truth to Power, Mr. I'm going to hold the next administration accountable after I've banged this drum over and over. Not a sound, not a single word written. Because had this, let's assume this had been the Trump administration making some completely outlandish claim like this. This would have been held up as yet again something that Andrew Sullivan claims demonstrates that Trump has some sort of mental disorder. I think you're going to hear anything like that about Joe Biden. And this isn't the first thing that he said that's completely absurd, unhinged from reality. Um, again, the media or media is, I don't know what word is beneath disgrace, beneath execrable, beneath contempt. Because here's the thing. The minute that Joe Biden says that, says that, right? You're, this is the sixth grade journalist. Um, President Biden, I'm here on behalf of Robert uh, Thomas Jefferson. And I have a question for you because I have a newspaper article that says in June of 2020, the Trump administration purchased 100 million doses of the vaccine. That was over, I don't know, seven months ago. But you just told us that there aren't any. And whatever Joe Biden says, you know, uh, well, I defeated Corn Pop in Scranton and you're a dog pony soldier. And then, and, then, and then the journalist says, um, but, and then I also saw that in November they purchased another. But this is in our chat. This is, this is Fisher Barrel. Will anyone ask Biden or anyone else about any of this Jen Psaki? No, no, it will not be mentioned. No, it'll never be mentioned because. It doesn't fit the narrative of what they're trying to do. Everything is be- if, if Donald Trump, we said this, said this many, many times in the past. If Donald Trump suggests it or says it, it's wrong because he said it. It doesn't matter what the subject is. doesn't matter what the outcome is of what he's saying. If he said it, it's wrong. If somebody else says the same words, it's probably okay. But Donald Trump says those words and therefore it's wrong. And that's from our friend. That's from the media. That's everybody involved in politics. It's all about just imagine, just imagine if it had been the same administration that had managed Operation Warp to come up with a vaccine. Right? Joe Biden would be hailed as the second coming of Jonas Salk. Right? It would be literally there'd be stories. Biden said, I well, I was in the basement. I you know, I, I came up with 
seen. I had a, it was some Flintstone vitamins, and uh, I, you know, I had an idea, and I called the CEO Pfizer, and the next thing you knew, we had it. It was just it was simple. You would be in the the praise would be unceasing. This miracle, no one has ever done this before. No one has ever mobilized the private sector. This demonstrates the power of government when it can be harnessed for the good. No, you won't hear any of that. If you hearken back to the, the final debate from Biden and Trump in uh, late October, Biden closed with, it's going to be a long, dark winter. Expect it. It's going to be a long, dark winter. We've got a lot of pain ahead of us. The numbers are going down on COVID. Is that because Biden is president or because they were? That's because of Joe Biden. It's because of his, because of his aura. Remember this, Chad, Joe Biden also said continually, because this was part of their playbook that, you know, Donald Trump is responsible for the death of, and of course, Biden at one point, I think said, you know, 500 billion people, whatever, because he's enumerate. Uh, Donald Trump's responsible and he has no plan, but we we have a super secret plan. And what did Biden say then immediately upon taking office? There is nothing that can be done, which of course is the truth, is the truth. Did a single person say, but uh, emperor, I, you're not wearing clothes and that's disturbing to me. But you, I thought you said two months ago that Donald Trump was in the rogues gallery of all time because he didn't do anything and you had a plan, but now you say you don't have a plan. Which is it? Can we ask that question? No, that question can't be asked. And I want to give you two different what-if scenarios, and I think they turned out better the way they did than what they had. So in the 2000 election, it was hotly contested, obviously, as we remember. George W. Bush ended up prevailing and becoming president, and then we had 9-11. And I think collectively, even the Democrats realized – you know, I don't think Al Gore would have been really suited for this situation. You brought, and I agree with that. You brought up Joe Biden. If he'd have been in charge in 2016 or, or Hillary Clinton, do we think at any time, because we were told over and over again, you cannot get a vaccine this quickly. I do not think Operation Warp Speed would have happened under Hillary or Biden so we never would have found out if that could have happened because it never would have happened. They would not have pushed for that. They would have gone through the normal rigmarole. They would have trusted Fauci, who seems to be a classless lying sack of crap, or as I'm concerned, the man is. Wait, you, you just, you're just figuring that out now? By the way, that shame, shame on you, Chad, for for denouncing this sainted Dr. Fauci. That he he is a man of science. He is a public servant. He is not out for anyone other than the the American people. And here you are saying those very very nasty things about him. I say those nasty things about him because every time he says I'm not political, he becomes political. He does political things. He says political things. He makes decisions based on politics and when he's comp when he's confronted with hey you just said something different five seconds ago he goes well that's not what i said i really don't want to be political it, it's hamlet right i mean i think my well among my among my favorite hits of dr fauci was when he conceded literally he said this on the record. Uh, i think it was about i forget what data i think it was about the fatalities 
uh, or maybe it was the case count. I can't remember. And he said basically, well, yeah, I, 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 he didn't use this word, but this is what he was doing. I lied to the American people because, you know, I, I had to make a call. I just didn't think they could handle it. And, you know, now I'm ready to, to spoon feed them the castor oil. I mean, like, listen, you're, you're admitting that you are providing inaccurate information because you've decided that the lemmings just won't receive it in the right way. We've got to modify their behavior. This is what all of these people do. And to your point, he's now apparently out there claiming that somehow Trump did terrible things. Okay, well, you know what? Why didn't you have the stones and the personal ethic to say that? Because every time he was asked about this, and of course the media asked him incessantly, is Donald Trump not doing what you tell him? Is he, is he, is he yelling at you? Is he being mean? Is he disregarding the experts? And every time Fauci said, Donald Trump has never a single time told me to do something else or refused to do what I had said. Now, apparently, he's saying, oh, yes, I, I tried to tell him that he was eating McDonald's food and was in a rage or whatever. What a, what a coward you are. Why didn't you step down from your position and say, you know what? I can no longer effectively act in this capacity because the president is refusing to accept my professional and scientific advice, and therefore I am forced to resign. That would have been the honorable thing to do. That was really going on. The fact that he didn't do that and the fact that he said nothing and is now dumping on Trump leads me to believe that everything he is saying is a lie. I just simply won't, I won't listen to anything he has to say. And why should anyone assume that he's telling the truth given those facts? Uh, you shouldn't at this point. Let me move on. So... I heard a quote this week, and I can't remember who said it. Um, and it's been bandied about by a lot of people uh, about a truth commission. Uh, we need to have a truth commission. And what the quote was, we have to come to a common narrative about what our past is. Not, not what the truth is. I mean, it's a truth commission, but we have to come to an agreement on a common narrative about the history of this country. Because if we don't do that, Never get past it, and the the execrable 1776 project uh, is just it's it's horrible way to teach. Now I saw I saw that from our friend today. He was he was speaking as a historian. What I what I've realized is you don't nobody really wants the truth. They want you to agree with their truth. And our friend he gets very sensitive about historians. Like they're somehow special. I like history, but it doesn't make a historian somehow more valuable than other people because we, we report the history. And that's not how a, a real history teacher would do it. And historians are against whatever, Trump this, Trump that. I, I, I've grown weary of the historians. And it made me think about the impeachment. I, I know it's a little bit of stretch here. When all these riots were going on throughout the country over the summer, spring and summer into the fall, you didn't hear a lot of, well, I didn't hear any Democrats really condemn the riots, including Joe Manchin, who suddenly developed a spine this week with the Office of Management and Budget. You didn't hear anybody condemn the riots in the Democratic. A lot of Republicans say it. it Trump's saying all the time, we're, we're law and order, we're law and order. But Nancy Pelosi said something after the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Security, security, security. I am convinced that the only reason, I mean, it was a, it was an excuse, but the only reason they're so up in arms is because it was against them. 
They didn't care about Portland or Minneapolis or Seattle or Chicago or Louisville or Philadelphia or San Francisco. They didn't care about any of that because it didn't affect them. This affected them. So they're running like scared little children who maybe they were a threat. Maybe they weren't, but they're acting like these misbehaved little children said, you got to protect me. You got to protect me. But they never cared about anybody else. What did somebody say today? Um, You don't worry about the, oh, it was uh, Joe Scarborough. You don't care about anything happening to the little people because it wasn't your money invested in their business. You know, but when they attack the Capitol, that's the people's house. That's where the people, that's where the, that's where things happen. You know, the, the militarized zone right now where you can't even go without seeing National Guardsmen and barbed wire. Yeah. And, and if this had been, and of course, if this had been the ongoing Trump administration with the, the military and the barbed wire, um, we would have, we would have mass apoplexy. Uh, I mean, we saw this, right? This is, this is the classic where Tom Cotton, I think back in, it was probably around, right around the election, maybe a little bit before the election, wrote an op-ed, we've talked about this in the New York Times, and this is when it was the ongoing nationwide multiple city riots, right? BLM, Antifa, burning, burning, looting, arson, chaos, courthouses under siege, police stations, firebombed, etc. And Tom Cotton wrote an editorial, which he at least just suggested, if this continues, and of course, these blue state feckless mayors and governors who in many cases were enabling this, if they are unwilling to protect the American citizens, we should consider bringing in the military. Of course, that was met with everyone retiring to their fainting couches, a, a complete revolt at the New York Times where they said the editorial itself place them in danger. Just the crime think alone. Now, flash forward, and we've got right, we've got Nancy Pelosi calling for you know, I need a napalm strike. The the Q shaman is in my office with his buffalo helmet or whatever. Listen, I've said, you've said, put them all in jail. Absolutely. No, there's no excusing what any of those people did. But but the whiplash-inducing change from it's we're surrounded by the Obersturm Bonfjords, right? The, the, the dark night of fascism has fallen too. We think it's perfectly fine that we have 6,000 troops, National Guardsmen in D.C. prowling around. And why are they there? Have any of them provided any justification other than, well, you know, those, those ululating MAGA troops any day now may come rolling over the hill in their tanks. It's completely ridiculous. I just wanted, I wanted to point that out because I think people, consistent behavior is consistent behavior. You call out violence where you see it. It doesn't matter who's perpetrating it. So we've condemned the January 6th riots, but I've condemned all the other riots. I condemn the 1%, the 99% riots in New York City or not riots, but the protest. I, I get tired of having to repeat myself that it applies to everyone or no one. It can't be one or the other. It has to be both. And I'm just, I'm sick of it. But the Truth Commission really struck me as, this is, this is very much in the vein of uh, re-education camps, as we've talked about. This is, a, we've got to get you to change your mind. We've got to change what you're doing. And it, it made me think of something else that I heard somebody talk about recently. 
They said all the polls you get, all the national polls you show, or even the statewide polls in most cases, they're against the radical policies that progressives are pushing, yet the progressives push them anyway and say the people want them. It makes no sense because, and I'll use Prop 8 in California, was against homosexual marriage. The state voted, and it was, over, it was turned down. The state of California, which is by far the most liberal state probably in the country, said, no, we don't want this. And they just did it anyway. They, they had a court ruling and said, well, okay. Well, so <laughs> well, you're familiar with, right? Well, but here's the thing. You're familiar with the Marxist concept of false consciousness, right? So, so this is this is what they mean when they say that the people want it. There's only two. There's two responses: either the people will vote for us correctly. If they don't, they're suffering from false consciousness, and they actually want it. And so we're going to give it to them because they just don't understand what they need. So there is no there is no possibility of dissenting, and actually the people not wanting their wonderful solutions because any answer that is not what they want is simply not accepted. And I think that's where I, I grow weary of being told this is what you want. Even though I keep saying, no, that's not what I want. I, my wife said, I don't want a vacuum cleaner for my birthday. So if I get her a vacuum cleaner, she'll say, thank you, but I don't really want a vacuum cleaner. I wanted a trip. Right. And if you were a progressive, what you would say, what you would say to her is, well, here's the problem, dear. And this always works very well. Um, You simply don't understand your own household interests. And let me explain to you that what you really need instead of that new dress or whatever flowers for the window boxes, no, no, your interests require you to have a vacuum cleaner. And so once you understand that, oh, you mean you still are resisting my uh, my argument? Well, you probably need to go to a struggle session so that we can work out the reason that you simply cannot fathom what is apparent to me. See, that's how this works. So there is no acceptance. Like you said, the people that are supposedly the champions you know, of of democracy, of the people's house, the minute there's a democratic small d vote, it doesn't go the way they want. Well, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's a, it's sort of like, well, we gave we gave you your chance, and you got it wrong. So now, now we're going to have to no more, Mister Nice Guy. We're going to have to make you. We're going to have to make you do what you want. I, I just thought that's interesting because most people don't think about that. They think, well, there must be people out there that want this. That's why they're doing it. No, not really. Just the people in power want us to know that. You'll we'll thank them. We'll thank them later, Chad. Yes, of course we will. Uh, Facebook. It's in the news again, not not for anything good because it's Facebook. There, there's nothing good about Facebook. If you like Facebook, that's your problem. That's not mine. So they're, they're in trouble. There's a lawsuit going on. It started in 2018, and it's about ad rates. So Facebook makes money on ads, much like Google does. But there's a little tiny little problem. They lied about how many people would see those ads, and they charged businesses accordingly. So they overestimated but it seems like quite a lot. And they knew they were lying about how many people would see that. And they still did it for years. They knew before the lawsuit, they knew when they were confronted by the lawsuit, they continue to do it. I guess I'm looking back and I'm looking at Cheryl Sandberg, who's the COO, you know, the lean in fame for her book, lean in because you know, it's, yes, I like who stole my cheese better. 
I did not like <laughs> I did not like that book either. Uh, but no, it's a, that's always my favorite. It's, a, it's always those trendy. Like you need to read this. You need to read all. Yeah. Okay. Thing, same thing. I'm not going to read. I was going to put it on that shelf and pull out when you tell me to look at it. Yeah. Here it is. Right after I get finished with Obama's multi-volume memoirs, I'll get right on. Yeah, not gonna. But I, I just think that's interesting. We're this is a company who's telling you there's nothing to see here. Google's the same way. All, all the major companies, they're lying to you. They think you're too stupid to know, and they're going to keep lying to you until the point where you catch them, and then they're still going to lie about what. No, but you know what? But that's the thing. We're to the stage now where it's not. They think you're. They know we know, and they don't care because what are you going to do? That's the stage we're at now. It used to be they're too stupid to figure out that we're lying. Now it's, heck, everyone knows we're lying, and there's nothing you can do about it. We're going to keep lying. Make us stop. Too bad for you. What are you going to do? Yeah, they think that's where I'm struggling with all this because we're told, you know, go – you don't like what Facebook does. You don't like what Twitter does. Go start your own company. But then we're going to shut it down because we don't want you to have your own company. Uh, I.e. Parlor. Right. Like that. Uh, where do we go from here? Because I think Jen Psaki or Saki, as she'd like to be called, she has no answers. She's really bad at her job. And yet our friend doesn't seem to ever quote her. He he went after every uh White House press secretary under Trump, but he doesn't seem to have anything to say for Jen Psaki. No. Well, and it's funny because I, I actually sent him an email and we may, I can't remember whether we talked about this last week. I think we did where um, one of the howlers to start off was when, because they didn't want to get on the wrong side of the teachers union. And Walensky, we did talk about this comes out from the CDC and says, there's no reason for teachers that can't go back. And so Psaki says, Oh, well, well, that, that was only um, that was a comment in her personal capacity. Uh, I mean, again, imagine what the reaction would have been if Sarah Sanders had come out and said something like that. In fact, it made me think the next thing we're going to hear from Jen Psaki is, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, the, all, that, all that unity stuff. Uh, Joe Biden was just saying that in his personal capacity. Um, as president, he's really not interested in any of those things because we're going to jam through our hard left agenda. And I'm sorry you didn't understand that that was just Joe in his Scranton personal self that was hoping for unity and reaching across the aisle. They, well, it wasn't the president. No, 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 no. <laughs> Couldn't be the president. Uh, that, I'm glad you brought up the teachers union because what they say, they expect teachers to be able to go back by April. Most of the unions are saying until there's a vaccine for them, they're not going back much one of the big cities unions. So we're, we're basically condemned our, our children to effectively two years or more of poor education. We've continued to pay the teachers to do a poor job at educating our children. And I, I, I guess I question why are you here? Why do we need you if you're not actually going to teach? Well, see, it's going to become, even though it won't become this because of the administration, but it's the air traffic controllers, right? Um, in fact, I thought it was interesting. The blowback here is growing because you even have the LA Times, okay? For people that don't know, now again, any any newspaper other than the New York Post, uh, stridently left wing, the LA Times, you're not, they're to the left, 
potentially of the Washington Post or the New York Times. The LA Times just wrote a scathing editorial saying in California, the LA school system, it's time for you people to get the kids back in school. So it's sort of like when you've lost the LA Times, the teachers unions, you know you've got a problem. Well, they're talking the end of April. That's maybe six weeks left in the school year for most people. It's you, You've shot another year, and our kids were <laughs> – if I'm to believe all the, the numbers, our kids were behind three years ago. They're only further behind now because they aren't actually in school and learning anything. Uh, or I feel like every day it's like, okay, we got through another day. We got through another day. And we didn't have to shut down. We were able to get a couple things done. There, there's no pride in getting anything done or the kids learning. It's just we got through the day. That's it. That that should be enough. It wasn't anything else. Well, if you think, well, here's the thing. And now we'll, we'll see if I'm correct about this. I, I have no confidence that we are going to see a return to normalcy anytime soon because there's going to be inevitably either there's another variant, another strain that's been spotted in Europe. Biden administration is advocating DEFCON 2. Uh, we're not going to have sports. That's what they are suggesting right now in their, whatever it is, their, their national operating plan that literally 98% of all public school districts have no sporting activities going on. This is yet another abdication of the media. Does anyone ask any questions? What is the scientific basis for that incredibly far-reaching edict? No, no, no. We just, we just feel that way. Joe was ruminating about it over his oatmeal, and we just think it's a good idea. So here's the other thing, and you already see this happening. All of the base, right, the frothing far-left base that now feels like they've got the whip hand Oh, there's going to be other crises, Chad, other emergencies that are going to require people to like not drive their cars because, listen, we're going to have a national three-month fast from our vehicles so that we can start to get a handle on global warming. If you think that that's an absurd idea that that could happen, just wait. Just wait. This is, uh, I've, I've said this before, Rod Dreher coined the term uh, the, law of emerit- the law of merited impossibility, meaning that will never happen. Oh, and when it does, you will deserve it. So let's just see what the next global crisis that will be invoked by the Biden administration to justify all manner of incursions on individual liberty, because it's going to be coming, guaranteed. That's that's very sad. Very, very, very sad. All right, then uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.